So I had the pleasure of re-watching Fiddler on the Roof uh, just the other day. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a classic. It's an, an amazing movie about about the Jews uh, and how they uh, and kind of their way of life uh, in Russia, and uh, uh, sadly uh, also. Uh, illustrates some of the maltreatment of the Jews during that time. But as I was thinking about that and about the epistle reading for the day, it occurs to me that what we have, and, and this is kind of slightly masked uh, by our kind of traditional opening of the epistle reading, uh, um, what we have here is a discussion between two Jews who have become, who have both become followers of Jesus Christ. And I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the mix, if you will, or down in kind of the history uh, of this particular little pericope, this, this section that we just heard. Uh, because this is actually, uh, this book Galatians was actually the book that inspired Mar Martin Luther to start the Protestant Reformation. In it, he, it, he, he runs into that, that classic famous saying, not in this particular section, but the just shall live by faith. And then he and the Protestant reformers go on to create a whole kind of edifice of doctrine that, uh, surrounding the, um, well, surrounding what's written here, primarily, and also in the Book of Romans. But if, we, but if we back up just one verse, instead of it being brethren, we know, which is what, how, how our kind of system of introducing a, a, a pericope, which may well, as it is in this case, be kind of ripped out of context uh, and, and presented to us, uh, uh, the actual introduction here is... Uh, just finding finding my place here. Okay, no, I actually have to back up a little more than one verse. Uh, because the, the situation here is Paul is in Antioch. The Apostle Peter comes to Antioch. The Apostle Peter is then influenced by certain men who say they come from James and who uh, who who then tell Peter, no, no, you need to withdraw from the Gentile Christians. Because in Antioch, you had Jewish Christians and Hellenic Jews and even Gentiles who were all Christians. And so Peter, during the time of eating, when they were eating together, I guess kind of like their agape meal, he, would, he was influenced by these, these, these men. He withdrew from eating with the Gentiles, from, with the Gentile Christians, and just went and ate by himself. Well, not by himself, with, with his fellow Jewish Christians, I should say. So Paul says here, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. And when they came, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision, that is, the, his fellow Jews. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, and here 
is the beginning of our quote. If you, being a Jew, live in a manner, in, in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not faith justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. So to really understand this passage here, we, we need to understand its Jewish context. And actually, in some respects, it kind of give, makes Martin Luther's maybe misunderstanding of this a little more understandable. Because both Peter and Paul, who had grown up as Jews, Paul as a Pharisee, um, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the really rigorous Jews, uh, uh, both of them knew the importance of the law. The law defined every aspect of their life. You, again, if you, if you watch, happen to get a chance to watch Fiddler on the Roof, you'll see uh, as they go in and out of the doorway of the house, they kiss something on the side of the doorway. That's actually specified in the law. You have little scroll on the doorway to remind yourself as a Jew that you are under the law. And there's, there's all sorts of little details like that. The law governed every aspect of Jewish life. And the Jews understood this as a blessing from God, that this was something good. But at the same time, there was, particularly amongst the Pharisees, a certain sense that the law itself, if because it was so good, because it was a blessing from God, the law itself, if you kept it in every detail, could save you. The problem with that was that it ended up being a misunderstanding of the law of God, the purpose of the law of God. Because the law was good, absolutely. It was given by God to teach his people how to love. How to love him and how to love their neighbor as themselves. But if you start to look at the law as a means of salvation, you run into a problem. And this is the problem that Paul notes both here in Galatians and in his longer epistle to the Romans. The basic problem is the law is great for spelling out what I should do. And then I go and not do it. The law is also really great at spelling out what I should not do. And then I go out and do exactly that sort of thing. And it's a problem. It's a trap. And so, even, so I think especially Paul, as a Pharisee, trying to keep the law, trying to keep every aspect, every detail of the law. I mean, they, they, was, they, they were so, the Pharisees were so strict about this that they had, not only do we, do we see like more common terms like a Sabbath day's journey, well, you actually had to count how many steps you could go on the Sabbath to make sure that it wasn't work. But they would even go so far as to say, well, if you have a pin in your cloak, that could be carrying something. Is that work or not? They had a definition for that. 
all the way down. And the, and the idea was that if you kept the law perfectly, you would be saved. The other problem that arises, which is noted in the book of Hebrew, from this way of life, is you need sacrifice. And you need continual sacrifice. The Jews had systems very, very clearly in detail, uh, spelled out in great detail in the law of sacrifice. Sacrifice was that which you offered to God so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be made just, made right with God by partaking of the sacrifice. Occasionally you didn't partake of the sacrifice, like in a Holocaust, the whole burnt offering. But, but, but the, um, but in general, generally speaking, you offered a sacrifice for your sins, and then you were cleansed of your sins. Then you were forgiven. But it was a, it was a ma- major undertaking to offer sacrifice. The only place you could offer sacrifice was in the temple at Jerusalem. And so you had to go wait, wait for however long before you would be fully reconciled with God, because then you would... You know, travel down to Jerusalem, offer the sacrifice, and then finally you would be cleansed of your sins and have a good conscience before God. You would be justified. Uh, and, and then you could go back until the next time when you transgressed the law, which wasn't so difficult to do. So this is the Jewish experience of the law that Peter and Paul both shared. They knew the blessing of it. They knew that being born Jews, they had a a better understanding of sin, a better understanding of what God wanted them to do. That's why he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. They knew, however, also that a man is not justified by the works of the law. But, now he's talking as a Jewish Christian, by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we, therefore, have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So this is, this is their experience, that this whole edifice of the law, which got so cumbersome, so constricting, which was you know, a blessing from God, but ended up being almost a curse. And certainly by comparison to what Christ offered, what the way that Christ taught to live was a curse was something that bound them rather than set them free. Uh, And so, uh, because what happened when Christ came? Well, two things. One, maybe three. One, the purpose of the law was made plain. The whole purpose of the law, as Christ pointed out and, and even confirmed that, you know, some of them actually did understand it, was that they should love the Lord their God with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength and all their mind and love their neighbor as themselves. This is the whole of the law and the prophets. The prophets, of course, being those 
people who call the Jews back to faithfulness to God, who call them back to fidelity to the law. So we had clarity of the purpose of the law. We also had, in Christ's teaching, a clear expression of how forgiveness can be obtained. Repent, Jesus begins his ministry by saying, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, Peter says in his sermon at Pentecost. And then, of course, you have in Christ's death the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. So that, as Jesus himself said, the Christians didn't need to worship either in Jerusalem or on Mount Gerizim because the bloodless sacrifice was offered in bread broken from house to house uh, in in the initial stages held daily and later on once a week. The understanding being that Christ himself was the Paschal Lamb. Christ himself was the sacrifice. And so forgiveness of sins was very easy to come by. Justification, being made right with God, was very easy to come by in relative to, relative to what the Jewish law offered under Christ. All we had to do was confess our sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as we confess our sins, we come and partake of Christ and are united with God himself. And this is what Peter was abandoning when he, said, when he was listening to these guys who claimed to be from James and withdrawing himself and try, saying, no, I'm going to be a good Jew and I, I will be justified by keeping the law of God and keeping myself separate from those unclean Gentiles. One wonders if Paul is maybe making a bit of a <clears throat> pointed uh, remark here when he says, not sinners of the Gentiles. <laughs> but but um, and, he, and he, he goes on to say, so, so he's, he's telling Peter, look, we as Jews have put our faith in Christ. We trust that when Christ says, confess your sins, repent, and you will be forgiven, that we are forgiven. We, tr- we, we live that way of life. We, we live the way of life where Christ is the bloodless sacrifice. He is the one who is the one who, by whom our sins are forgiven. He is the one by whom we are justified. And so he goes on to say, but if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? God forbid, certainly not. Uh, I suspect here he's uh, addressing uh, an argument made by uh, those who claim to be from James, the, the Judaizers. Um, and, he's, and he's saying, uh, who, are, who are saying, well, look, you know, oh, there's this multiplication of sins that seems to be happening here uh, as, as we're seeking to be justified simply by Christ. We need the law. And he's like, so therefore Christ is like, and Christ being the servant is, is ending up being the servant of, of sinners. 
may possibly even, uh, it seems like he's promoting sin. To which Paul says, God forbid. For, he says, if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, if I repent, if I turn my back on the sin, acknowledging it as sin, and then seek to do the right thing that I wasn't doing before, that shows sin for what it is. I am showing that I was a transgressor. I make myself the transgressor. For through the law, for I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ as the fulfillment of the sacrificial system, calls us to participate in that sacrifice by us offering our own bodies as a living sacrifice, by us taking up our cross daily and following him. We then, in Christ, in doing this, in following him like this, are fulfilling the law. We are, in fact, dying with him to the law. The law now has no power over us. And the life that we live is a life shaped by the teachings of Christ, shaped by the life of Christ. It is, in fact, um, uh, Christ who is living in us. So that the life that we now live in the body, in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. This is true freedom. And this is what Peter was drawing back from, which is why Paul confronted him to his face. Paul was not one to just like let things slide. No, no, especially not something of this importance. He confronted him to his face saying, no, we have a new way of life. We have a new life in Christ himself. We have to live consistently with that. We have to live in the freedom that Christ gives us. The freedom to live lives defined by repentance and love, which are the fulfillment of the law and which are, in Christ, how we are made right with God, how we are justified. This is our inheritance. This is what we are given. We don't have to worry about whether or not the pin in our cloak is a little too heavy and it might actually be work on the Sabbath. Uh, We don't have to worry about the whole categories of clean and unclean. Uh, We have the law and we look at the law as something good, as something beautiful, as a gift, a blessing from God. But it's something that teaches us how to love. And in Christ in participation in the Holy Eucharist, we have, by eating his body, by drinking his blood, we have his life in us. We are reconciled to God. We are made just. 
How could we give this up? How could we not do anything other than what we are called to do, which is repent, love, and give thanks. Glory to Jesus Christ.